Okay, I could not be more excited for this. This is our first official podcast episode in the studio that you've been working months on because in we've just envisioned this moment. And this has been probably the thing that I've been the most excited about as we started to share and open up Gymnasium EDU and everything we've been doing. And I know this is going to be like one of a thousand. So, yeah. So it's the start of a journey. So you know what? Let's cheers it out. Let's cheers it out. What do you got there? What are you drinking? Sparkling apple cider. Mm. It's 10 o'clock in the morning. But there you go. We've christened our first podcast episode. So we thought, you know, to kick off this podcast, we want so many people we know go back to episode one and they think like, I want to connect with the host. I want to get to understand the way the business started and the story behind it. And so I don't know if you're listening to this right now, the first time, first episode with us, and you're going to track with us through the next few hundred thousand episodes, or if you really are going back in time and you're catching up with our story. Either way, I want you to connect with me and Michael, what we've built, and I also want to keep it really tactical. So today we're going to share about the six hurdles that we had to cross jump over even to hit our seven figure mark. Uh, And we wanna share this with you because so often people walk into our facility and they look around and they feel like, wow, there's this a huge facility. I mean, it's like, what is it? 13,000 square feet and it started Yeah, it's big, big for the industry. Yeah, probably less. 300 square feet. Yeah, so we wanna go back and say, hey, don't compare yourself and where you are in your journey to where we are right now. And just to keep it real, like we're always comparing where we are to the person or the business or the model that we aspire to. That's human nature. I think the comparison model is so much harder now yeah. to keep it in check because yeah. of social media, because of you see this perfect image. Yeah. And you don't really realize what it took, the sweat and the tears yes. and the investment. And, and the journey. Yeah and, yeah. and I think most people look at it and be like, oh my gosh, how am I going to do that? Or... Oh my gosh, I can't believe we did do that. Yeah. So, so here we are. Six hurdles. Okay. Six hurdles. And so I'm going to have you start, Michael, because whether you guys know this or not, Michael was the personal trainer behind Gymnazo. And I want you to share a little bit about you as you're in childhood even and like what, how you found your way to fitness. I think that's so interesting. Before we get to the next hurdle, this is the part where we share a little bit about the multidimensional movement coaching certification program a coach mentorship program. And oh yes, if this is your first time hearing about this program, the multidimensional movement coaching certification program is something we talk a lot about. It's our life work. It's everything that I've learned in my career as a coach and an entrepreneur to still down to 10 plus modules over 90 days. And we give our MDMCers a guided experience. Basically all the students that enroll in the MDMC certification program go through a 90 day guided mentorship experience from me and my team where we show them how to blend performance with restoration, how to master the 10% of science that elite coaches rely on daily, how to create a powerful ecosystem of services in your fitness business, and how to dial in a five-star customer experience for group training, semi-private, and exclusive training. We teach you how to blow your clients' minds with intentional progressive programming and how to curate the experience that turns clients into raving fans all while bringing our students into our team atmosphere so they feel super supported and pushed to think and coach outside of their comfort zone. 
So if this sounds perfect for you and something you're interested in checking out, go to the gymnasioedu.com website and check out the program to see all the modules broken down and what our support and accountability systems are because this is not just a do-it-yourself course where we give you video modules and we tell you to do the homework and don't check in. Mm -mm. When you join this program, we're going to be on the phone weekly with you, working through how to tailor our approach to your business, facilitate weekly coaching calls to make sure you're tracking along with us, and of course, answer any questions you have and come up along the way. Because you're going to run into a lot of those if you're embarking on a journey to turn your personal training passion into a full-blown fitness business. So if you want to learn about the program or some of the results our students have gotten, Check out gymnasioedu.com, and we'll see you there. Um, it was an interesting path that started really when I was young, super young. Um, lost my mom to a rare blood disease, actually, and that process of losing someone so close to you um, kind of built this lack of confidence feel inside of me that actually happens to a lot of children, unfortunately, is you develop a stutter. Mm. Um, you have this big trauma in your life. And it was amazing to realize that actually how common that is when I just thought it was just something normal. Um, but through that process of developing this um, mental kind of disorder about yourself, you, know, you don't feel this ability within you. What I did find that gave me that self-confidence, which a lot of people know, is fitness. Working out at a young age, like seventh grade in the garage gym with my two older brothers, it's amazing. And any of them, anybody who's ever worked out before realizes that when that workout's done, your mentality is like at this whole next level. And that was so true. And <clears throat> understanding that and playing on that for month after month in this seventh grade is I realized that I wanted to be the person who knew the most about fitness, and that was physical therapy. <laughs> So that's what I did. I set that as a goal of my life. And ever since then, that's what I pursued to be. Okay, so hurdle number one in building gymnasio was? Unfortunately, <laughs> not getting into physical therapy school. For After or... trying um, eight different schools two different years. Yeah, back-to-back -back years. Yeah, and that was tough when you know from junior high you know what, what college you're going to go to because mm -hmm. the mentors in the area. My uncle's a PT in, in that town. You take all the classes. You get your bachelor's of science. You do more schooling afterwards, and you send those van, uh, manila envelopes in at that point. <laughs> and you just close that mailbox door, and you say, like, all right, here we go. And you get that thin envelope, that thin <laughs> Letter back because you know it's thin. It's just only one piece of paper. There's good. no welcome. There's documents. no orientation package. No, <laughs> there's no like oh, or even like hey, we want to invite you to an interview. <laughs> and that was tough. That was tough each and every time. Um, so so what do you do to get through that? It was interesting. Did it, it stop kind of this, you? Yeah, it was, I feel like that's what a hurdle is. It's this point where you either redirect or you go over it. Yeah, it's interesting. And you kind of have to, um, you want to keep momentum, right? Because it's much easier to go over a hurdle with momentum. You know, yeah. this analogy that we're Not to get too fitnessy here. Right. But hey, you know. <laughs> to crush the analogy. Yeah, you can still get over the hurdle. It's just harder. So it was really not, it was this mindset the entire time that I realized that I had. It wasn't, I always had a contingency plan. But I didn't know what the plan, what I was going to do. I just knew I wasn't going to stop. So it was getting that, f that final letter 
on the second year. And I'm like, well, I still love what I'm doing. Because your personal training at this time, right? right? I had already built, quote unquote, a business, right? Even though it wasn't, you know, I was what still receiving a check. Well, a personal trainer, you have your own, I don't want to use the word business, but you have your own product in a sense. And, it, and it's you. Even though I was yeah. working for a big box gym, I was getting, you know, still an employee. I still had to manage my own schedule. I don't sell. You, know, yeah. you have to do everything. No one's doing it for you. And so you, I had momentum. I was still training under that point. And it was like, well, I'm still, I still have a client with knee pain. I still have a client who wants to lose weight. I still have a client who wants to get stronger, but has XYZ problem, right? This is the typical trainer. So I wanted to continue to pursue mm-hmm. education. And it was really interesting finding this institute. And this institute was really came by by this one trainer who's just doing some pretty wacky stuff, at least what I thought it was. And you, I was like, I gotta figure out who that person is because what they're doing looks really interesting. I just don't understand it. What was the first thing that you noticed that make you think they were doing some wacky stuff, as you put it? It was basically broad range, full body dynamic movement. And it just looked weird. It looked like, it looked like they were warming up for a sporting event, <laughs> not for a fitness workout. In the gym. In the gym. Right? Yeah. Next to the lineup of treadmills. Exactly. There they and are. They bolted down machinery and the dumbbell rack and the mirrors. It just looked too verbose for a mm-hmm. fitness facility. And it was. Because you wouldn't do those movements in a machine. Because the machine's pretty yeah. defined, right? In, in a sense. So, um, so so beside looking weird, was there what was it about what she was accomplishing in those movements that caught your attention? Because most trainers look at that and go, really creepy, really weird. Something you're you off your film, rocker, I'm out. Yeah, something you'd film and put on YouTube as yeah. like a YouTube film in the fitness. Yeah, room. okay, so you see that. So why would you... What, in, what drew you in in that moment? Or was it not that moment? It was something different. There was something about it that was just plain and simple, authentic. You just saw it and you're like, you know what, that, that looks different. A, no one's doing that. But B, it wasn't, like someone wasn't jumping around pulling a pulling machine hanging upside down. You know, they weren't, it was using their own body in positions that you looked at. It's like, wow, that looks like swinging something. Oh, that looks like running. Oh, that looks like kind of that interesting move that someone does in volleyball. Oh, yeah. So there's bits and pieces to it that just made sense. And so it being So what did she say? Or what did Joe say? I wanted to meet this particular person. So me still being me, she, um, I I was asking people, you know, you what you do, you're in this gym, you're like, hey, who is that person? So there's this, every gym, at least ours, had this token bodybuilder. Uh, excuse me, power lifter. Yeah. Not like that I call him a yeah. bodybuilder. Power lifter. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's uh, that's Lisa over there. Yeah, she really helps me um, um, clean up my SI joint. I'm like, what? SI yeah. joint? Like, like your pelvis? You know, that's, you know <laughs> like, yeah, my pelvis. And I was like, really? She's a trainer? Oh, yeah, she's a trainer. Is she physical? No, no. Oh, just a trainer. I'm like, hmm, light bulb went off. I got to talk to her. Because what trainer knows how to do that? Well, because you always wanted to be a physical therapist. So for you. It was this next level of like connection. That was the gold. If she could know that, then she's tapped into something. And she doesn't have, what is it, DPT Mm -hmm. on her uh, card. Right. Yeah. And it was amazing because talking about like comparing people, your chapter one or someone's jealous is chapter five. It was a comparison. Like I wanted that. And that was, it's, a, it's okay. very so ironic, the first thing that, right? tri- that got you intrigued. Yeah. And so then she introduced you to the Gray Institute. She did. Cool. And it was a, conver- and it was a conference 
um, down in San Diego, and it was only a few months away. And I went to it, you know, like all trainers, right? We go to these conferences. We fly down there. We book the hotel. Da, 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 da. It's this continuing education course. And it was amazing getting there and understanding after the three, two and a half day conference, just that single day, lunch break. I was like, got it. This is it. They painted a beautiful picture of what trainers should know. But was it trainers or therapists? Anybody in yeah. the movement space. And so that's a really know. important thing because typically trainers are told to stay in that lane. Well, uh, and oh, they were including trainers yeah. oh, with yeah. therapists in the conference, it which is pretty groundbreaking. What they said, like, hey, who's a trainer here? Who's yeah. a physicist? What they did is actually at that point, because it's now, you know, 12 years ago plus, they said, okay, who's a therapist? Yeah. Who's a chiropractor? Mm-hmm. Who's a podiatrist? You know, da, 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 da. and then the last question was, yeah. okay, who's a trainer? But you see, know? that's our industry. I, we are always, oh, and if if twenty twenty has done anything to to cement us anywhere, it's the bottom of the totem right. pole. But what's fascinating is that the way that they described it, it was you don't need a license for this. This is just knowledge of human movement hmm. and human understanding. And it was interesting, you know, being a, getting a Bachelor of Science in Kinesiology, like, oh, I, I took biomechanics, I took da-da-da. And you realize, like, no, you didn't. You took textbook biomechanics. Yeah. You learn about lever arms and hinge joints. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's just the elbow. The elbow doesn't work by itself. It works with the shoulder attached to it. And it da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And I was never taught that in college. So, therefore, all my certifications, all my continuing educations, even, like, corrective movement specialist certification was all protocol-based, traditional, 1970s physical therapy. So I feel like an entire episode probably needs to be oh, with Gary deep. Gray to go into go depth of like what his whole yeah. path has been. But it, the point here is like it captured you mm-hmm. and it legitimized your profession as being included at the t- on the at the seat at the table right. of helping people move through dysfunction, and it really fed that like hunger that you had to elevate your knowledge and to really help people. Yeah. For anybody listening, I just have to say this point. It's realizing that as a physical mover, as a personal trainer, like we're always in this hunt to understand more, mm-hmm. to not get stuck, to help that client get through it. We have all hearts of gold and we feel that. I know we all feel it when we just can't deliver what we want to deliver. And to feel stuck is sucks. I'll be saying it's that simply. And this was like, oh, there's always an option. There's always an option. So I just want you to know that there is always an option in movement, mm-hmm. NSA. And this thinking, this methodology uh, unlocked that. And I get the hard part is, you know, just because you unlock something doesn't mean the door opens. Well, yeah, because even... So this is bringing me into... This is sort of hurdle one, but it's starting to become hurdle two. But hurdle one is, what do I do if I've been rejected from physical therapy, but I want to help people get out of discomfort and into their potential because that's really what you've always been focused on. But it's rare for someone in fitness to be interested or even have the balls 
to say, I want to get into their dysfunction and I want to help them move out of it. And so I know that's always been your heartbeat, but you go to this training, you get a seat at the table, even if it's at the end of the table as fitness trainer, (laughs) and you come out going, cool, I'm going to dive in. I think the program was what, $15,000 at the time to get that 10-month mentorship, hands-on, a lot of different things. And 15K as a fitness quote-unquote certification huge deal like no one would do that yeah it's a big deal but it got your attention because i always believe those kind of dollar signs like get you to show up and make it work because it's a lot of money it's a full investment and so you do that and then the all the examples are curated primarily for the clinical business model so it's that one-on-one in a treatment room, mm-hmm. like a 10 by 10 treatment like room. Like a physical therapist yeah. teaching what they know about physical therapy. Yes, and biomechanics, chain reaction, all that stuff. Right. So you're sitting there going, great, I'm absorbing all this information. It's everything you probably wanted from physical therapy school. And now, oh wait, but I'm a personal trainer at this big box gym. How am I bringing this? Like, what am I doing to bring this education into the sexy, fun energy of fitness? Because mm-hmm. so, it's easy as a one-on-one trainer to start yeah. this, the session, turn the clock off. Hey, yeah. let's focus in on in on this. Yeah. But at that point, I've already developed a group training. Yeah, and for group leverage. Training is way more of a lucrative business, right? You said leverage, yeah, right? Way, I mean, it's you'll be a one-on-one trainer forever but you can be a group trainer and have an, another life like that. So that's kind of my yeah. general statement on, on it all. And to piece those intricate details into a group training program was certainly uh, a challenge. Certainly yeah. a, a challenge. But it was one of those things like you just realized that it was possible. It's this whole thing. Like it is possible. Yeah. I think that's one thing I've always known about you is, and obviously when we met and started dating, it was one of the big things. It was like you just keep going. Like it's, I don't know that I've ever seen you stop for a no. Seriously. Maybe, maybe you. <laughs> if I say no, <laughs> you better stop. <laughs> no, but I, yeah. I really haven't seen you do that. And so it's funny to me to go back into these stories, like the folklore of gymnasium, like try to imagine you learning about this clinical setting and then look at your group training session of like six soccer moms at 7 a.m. on a Tuesday and go, great, we're going to mobilize whatever body part today through this workout. Yeah. And then this brings me to hurdle two. Which is how do you get clients to trust that you can actually help them? Mm. So you go get this education. You're you're, and I remember you saying like, are you trial and aired how to like infuse restorative every day, every day with uh, with dubious results. Some days great results, other days as you're fine tuning. How do you like get Trick. people to trust you? But talk to me about that because so often I think in our industry is like you go and learn something new and epic, but you show up on Monday a different trainer. I mean, this took you a year basically to refine your skills and start trying to hone it. I would say three years. Three well, yeah. To be honest, you know. Yeah, it took a while. It took a long time. To to fine tune it. But so how are you trial and erroring infusing your new knowledge into what people know and trust? Well the cool thing about about setting an environment right if mm-hmm. you think about it, you walk into a movie theater and there's a bunch of chairs it's dark there's a screen everyone faces the same direction because it's super simple you fall in line going to Disneyland it's pretty simple there's streets you see a lot of queue for a ride you go you follow the crowd what we did and what I did with Gymnazo is I because I had the uh, the availability to is I was able to create my own environment mm-hmm. and 
since I was the authority, the only person there, I could set the tone. And it's really amazing, A, in a good way and a bad way, how much people trust trainers. It's a good thing, it's a bad thing, because yeah. they have a lot of education or they don't. And, and there's a lot of confidence or fronting confidence in the industry, and confidence will get you in the door. Right. So being certain of what I was learning, I could set up my facility to match it. So when people look like, oh, what's that funny looking contraption there that looks like a torture chamber? Well, that's just a true stretch. Oh, it's a, it's a stretching cage. And I already purchased one. How about you get in it? It's like one of those things, like when I, the coolest thing is that the, the more you get, I use this term, the more butts and seats you get, the more conversion you get. People just have to feel it. So if I set it up right and I say, hey guys, we're gonna do a, a little bit longer warm up today. And let's try this. Let's no. try this. Yeah. And those little try things like, Man, that's the I've never felt a hamstring stretch like that before. I'm gonna pause there because that's a huge behavioral science piece, which is you can get people because no one likes change. There's a great book called Don't Move My Cheese, which is basically do not mess with what I know and love. And if you're going to evolve and adapt your training style at some point and your business model, you're going to have to get people to adopt your new, the new flair and flavor. But the what you just described is critical. And I'm going to pause you on that because it's like, if you can get people to feel it as, as a trial, like you'll do anything once. But if you feel like, oh, we've changed our method, there's resistance. Mm -hmm. There's less resistance if you go, I'm just going to try something. What do you think? And now they're in the decision seat. They're influencing you. In fact, they're influencing you. They think it's their idea because they said, I liked longer warm-up. Now when you do longer warm-ups, they're part stakeholders in the way your vision is unfolding. And that's huge. That's one of the biggest pieces. Like We all love to feel good. It's yes. real simple, right? Yeah. It's real, real simple. So if you show someone even the slightest bit of how to get there, it's it's this trickle. It's like you want more, you want more, you want more. And what I love about fitness is it's been a long, a, a long, excuse me, it's been around long enough where people have gotten used to the ho hum of treadmill alley and mm-hmm. lifting weights and things like that. And what I also love about the fitness industry and dislike is that it's a huge trendy industry. Yeah. trends coming coming going all the time whether it be fit whether it be equipment whether it be this you know, da, da, da. and in this time frame crossfit was just starting to come up yeah what's the time frame date it for people uh, this listening. would be 2010 to mm-hmm. 2013 yeah uh, no that's not true 2008 9 to 2013 is when this uh Refinement, snowball yeah, yeah started coming to, to kind of go and it was what's interesting is that people really started to love that type of group training because the group training typically was like you have this instructor on top of a stage with Mm -hmm. a mic and they just do their thing they follow along totally totally like on stage actress actor kind of thing (laughs) don't come off the stage oh don't do that you know yeah don't walk amongst the people oh don't do that Uh -uh. (laughs) so it's interesting so this was like definitely like the whole spin and this coaching the people on the floor in the mix even if if not doing it's like you do less the workout with them you're actually coaching like a basketball coach is on the sidelines he's not playing basketball he's coaching with them so that was the kind of this whole trend that was starting to happen and it was interesting is that people still have aches and pains no matter what you know traditional fitness is a repetitive process so to blend this mobility stability physical therapy notion into what I just started with was warm some cool downs, like actually doing a thorough stretching cool down functionally, not sitting down and bring your 
you know, the heels together and doing a butterfly stretch, but actually applying it in this new method of upright, functional, biomechanical, chain reaction movement stretching felt completely different and therefore got results much, much faster. They recovered faster, right? Much faster, exactly. Okay, so how did you get them? So hurdle two is how do I get clients to trust you? It's results. Sure, but but how do you get them to trust you with their pain? Exactly. Because so, that's where it hits the road. Right. So it was interesting as I did both, as I took my one-on-one clients and I helped them get rid of general aches yeah. and pains. And, and then I said, hey, you know what? I think, I think I can save you some money. Seriously, that was the, that was the hook. How about you do my group training? Because mm-hmm. the program is really not that different. You can train more for less money. Well, and something that we've learned in Gymnazo that I think you were learning in this moment was personal training one-on-one is not where the best leverage for your time and dollar is. So as fast as you can use that to migrate people into higher leverage services, the better your time is and the businesses, and they're happier typically. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's still people that want to get trained one-on-one. I'm not discrediting that. But for the most part, if you can save them a buck and they're getting that social element and they still feel safe and cared for and you can modify they will go there happily. Right. And let's not forget, if we do a little bit of uh, math here, that was during the uh, recession. recession. The Great Recession, the Great I think recession. it's called. Exactly, 2009-10. Yeah, when, when people, personal training was on the ropes for a lot of trainers because right. people, people were cutting costs. People still wanted movement because it, it wasn't an economic class. It was a uh, crash. It was a housing crash. So people saw jobs. It just was a different field. They wanted to save money. Anyways, yeah. so... To blend those two together and then to get that one-on-one client to be like, oh, I was Michael, you know, Michael's personal training client. Now I'm in group. And they're, they're chatter like, oh, how'd you get in here? Like, oh, my, you know, Michael helped my knee, da 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 Now I'm doing group training. So that was one approach yeah. to get the, the one-on-one clients talking to the group clients from that standpoint. But then seeing someone do, let's say, a lunge or a push-up and shoulder pain, knee pain, et cetera, and be like, hey, how about you just change your positioning here? Yeah, a slight of, tweak. Exactly. Yeah, what we call a movement tweak is essentially a modification of body positioning, mm-hmm. and that literally the next rep, the pain is gone. And people are just like, "Well, that's interesting." Well, and you so almost that, have a built-in audience. Well, it, yeah, and they like a mini audience because we have eight people session, at the time in our right. group training. So when those started to become more and more consistent, um, and I say, "Hey, can I talk to you after the session?" Maybe we can do something. So then I would take my personal tri- clients, go into group, take my group clients, go into personal training. I just had this cycle. Mm-hmm. And basically you get this person, gosh, I have a friend. Can they, see, you know, it's word of mouth. Yeah. It's what my people will always talk about great pizza. And then they're going to want to go to that pizza joint. And they're going to talk about great sushi. going to go to the sushi joint. They're going to, you know, yeah. good things share. So that was a huge, huge, huge piece. Okay, so hurdle three, and this is right around the time when I met you, which was, so hurdle three was, okay, Michael's doing something. And I know when we jumped on Fitness Career Mastery's podcast and we did like an interview, or at least I did with Barry, Mm -hmm. um, about how he hit seven figures, I told him how we met and he like cringed because I wrote you off because you were a personal trainer. And I was like, oh, there's this personal trainer. And he goes, wait a second. (laughs) Because it's sort of like this ego hit. What do you mean you kind of wrote off the personal trainer? I was like, well, I mean, at the time, my bias was, 
you're gonna cancel clients when you want to go on a four-day weekend trip your boots kind of like figure it you're super social like into fitness like what's your goal are you gonna grow i'm queen of ambition over here like probably it's, there's nothing here besides a good looking dude and then we start talking and you have this vision i'm gonna change the industry and i'm like oh I didn't know it needed to be changed, right? And we kind of start talking about it. But this is where um, I start learning about you. We start working together on marketing, and then it becomes not about business and more about like, hey, like, can I, can I date you? Yeah. And then that was that was fun times. Yeah, and so we start working, and I start kind of helping with the marketing piece of it because you start realizing you've got something special, and you need to get the word out. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you're Mm -hmm. so close to your own service, it's hard to talk about your own service. So bringing an outside voice in to be like, why should people care? But then I know nothing about fitness because all I do is surf and rock climb, and hate fitness. I know. That's what's funny. It's also the the time too is like. When Facebook was starting to do yeah. more business services, there was no Instagram back then. There yeah, was no, there's no like Instagram. That. But you started to realize, like, man, how do I do it all? Mm-hmm. Like, how do I actually be good at it? Yeah. So, um, it's just it's really this this cry of the solopreneur as a as a fitness um, a business owner, quote unquote, whether you actually own your own business or you're just an employee for a big box gym. You just don't have enough time in the day to do everything well, mm-hmm. and especially now. Yeah. There's so many different opportunities. You want to hit them all. Yeah. And uh, I realized pretty quickly, even then, it was like, no. I, I just want to be, yeah, you always, yeah. always want to be just really masterful in your craft. But you've wanted to build and scale and create impact. So it's like there's the choice. Yeah. And so often that's the choice. And that's, I think, why a lot of trainers stay in one-on-one is because they just want to be really transformational in their skill set. They want to and be a master. They want to be and, really and, and good. I don't, I don't, exactly. And that's you. You've always wanted to be that person, but you also wanted this, like, I want industry impact. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, you can't stay just masterful one-on-one forever. Because um, your business lives and dies by your time and right. your schedule, and that's a trap. Like it feels cool to be booked out, but how long does that last until you're overwhelmed, burned out, and going, "I don't even love this anymore." It's really funny to talk to these trainers. Like you, know, you realize, like, man, I got I got ten clients every day. I'm like, are you doing half hour sessions then? It's like, no, I'm doing hours. Yeah, it's like, like not good. I'm like, how do you? I mean, eventually, yeah. you just realize like, what? Oh, you're making some bank. Wow. Then you realize, yeah, man, that sucks. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm glad you have money, but what are you gonna do with it? Yeah, and then what's honestly, your life look like? Yeah, they burn out, or they just become that soul sucking trainer that just is always doing what they're doing. So happy to be so booked, and then. So for you, hurdle three really becomes yes, how do I yes. take the skill set that I've developed. Because admittedly, and here's the best part, you still don't think your skill set's as good as it can be and will be. Yeah, it's a bit of an issue. That's, that's, but that's <laughs> you. I think as long as I've known you, it's always there's always more. There's always the next skill. And I think that's what keeps it energizing for your team to be around you is like you're always going to want the best thing or the new thing and to keep evolving. Yeah, I, I had to come up with, with this new term. There's no such thing as perfection anymore. It's pursuit of excellence. Oh, yes. And that I'm, I had to pay for some money to learn that. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. Pursuit of excellence, not pursuit of perfection. Yeah. 
but the constant connect anyway so that's been you but you realize i'm not even if you don't think you're good enough as you are for where you want to be you still are good enough to replicate yourself so that you can get pushed to the next level because now you're leading people and so i remember when i started to join you on the marketing side and help you because at the time i was a small business consultant um young green trying to prove myself and here you have this business that i can help like apply what I've learned that day and start helping you grow this thing. But you sat there and said, I need to replicate myself as a coach. And you put together this internship program, I remember. And we were feeding off of the the local university for their fresh, uh, best kinesiology students. And we were giving them college credit to be part of our 10-week intern or was it 12-week internship, I think? Or Gosh, is it what, the point, quarter system? Yeah, uh, 10 weeks. 10, 10 weeks. weeks. That, that's what quarter is. And I remember that you had planned it all out. You were so excited. And you had three interns. It was you and Trevor. Trevor was your first hire. So you'd already figured out how to replicate yourself when I cruise into the scene. You have three interns. And I remember, do you remember where oh, I'm going to yeah, go with this? Go for it. Where it's like, we're so, pseudo business partners, even though we're just dating, like there's no, there's no sharing last names. There's no shareholder. There's no partnership is more of a yeah. yeah, exactly. It was a, it was very much a gentleman, gentlewoman agreement, yeah. if we could call it that. And um, you go, great. Like, look at all these interns. I'm so excited for all of them. I was like, great. Which one are you going to hire? Oh, yes, and I, and I it, was, it was just this clear, confident answer, and I said, all three of them. And I'm sitting there trying to wrap my head around the fact that, one, I'm working for free. Two, you're working for $36,000 a year, and we're happy sitting there in that threshold because you were just pumping. Like, you just live. You've always lived very, like a practical life and so there you were at that rate and i'm sitting there going at some point you're going to make more money and then we've got trevor and now three more and you're going from a a team of two trainers to five like that and i'm going this guy's crazy well here's some interesting piece and I, i want people to understand who are listening to this there was some caveats built into that story that make it much more attainable oh that's true much i'm glad you're going there with this because though I knew that I needed to live on fully 300, excuse me, $3,300, that was my monthly burn to me to live my life, rent, food, you know, bar night, once or twice, twice a week, etc. I thought the better I could keep my business in good money, the better I was, even though I was paying myself well. Yeah, because you nothing. could be I mean, you could be cash flow positive. You right. just wouldn't pocket it. Exactly, because it's all about keeping the business looking yeah. good. The business looking good, and I don't recommend that uh, now, knowing, knowing that. But the key caveat, and where I want people to understand this, if you want to build a team, do it underneath someone else's business. And what I mean by that is, I was in a big box gym. It's you know kind of a club twenty four uh, twenty four hour fitness kind of spot, and this is a critical piece. But I was allowed to do it because mm-hmm. the business the gym wanted more money so i was bringing in uh eight thousand seven you know twelve thousand dollars uh not that yet but close close to close to five figures every month in sales and i said i want to bring in more people underneath this program and they're like yeah that makes sense go for it so they took payroll dollars they took yeah they took the hit on taxes it was their employee i just managed them Mm-hmm. So what I realized is that why did that scenario work? Because the program worked. It was a win-win. Yeah. It was really important that you understand that there's are opportunities to grow your team out there that are not just the traditional man. I must pay them, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Be creative. Use 
other people's ability to make money to help you make to make money. Well, and the other thing is those three interns that you hired as coaches were also full-time college students. So big you weren't deal. handing them a full-time exactly. schedule. So that's also a good thing that's to clarify. Big, big you were right. probably handing them, I want to say on average, we said they had to at least do eight sessions a week right. or something for them to actually get through, what is it, the first 50 sessions till they finally hit some kind of stride that fits to the quality that you want. And then from there you can progress them. But it was like, how quickly can we get them those first 50 sessions under their belt? Yeah, it was perfect because they did the day day of class. Yeah. They would show up and knock out two hours of work. Yeah. And they'd sub with one another. It was their Mm -hmm. responsibility. So like, yes, there was a team of five coaches, but you were still the lion's share of the tra- of the coaching, but you Major had successfully big. figured out how to replicate yourself to be good enough as a group trainer so that you could continue to evolve and figure out, kind of trial and error your way through other yeah, things. Yeah, and, and once they became floor trainers in a sense, you know, group group trainers, it wasn't like, okay, you're, you're good. Like that's when the education really yeah. begins, really begins. Well, and then you have the awkward transition, which every coach, oh, I feel like trainers are like, oh this. shoot. Cause then you no Michael, have no your him. clients that love right. you that are all high maintenance and wonderful humans. And they look at the schedule and it's not Michael Hughes on the schedule. It's Stefan Thomas right. or it's uh, Shannon Kelly. Mm-hmm. And there their names are. And you sit there and go, I hope they're gonna go with it. Mm-hmm. Again, it's sort of like, just try this coach out. And right. I think you would say, hey guys, I've, I think you started integrating them as That's interns. That's right, exactly. Because you knew, again, it's going back to the whole, don't hit your clients with some massive change. Let them feel like they're owning the process. And so you did a great thing, I thought, early on, which was, hey guys, I'm, I've got some interns from Cal Poly. We're trying to tune them up, get them excited about their careers. We're, would you be, we're gonna have them co-coaching with me. Right. They're gonna be the warm-up. They're they're going to lead the warm-up yeah, only, exactly right? right? They're going to – so you really, like, baby-stepped them in and then would survey the members formally and informally. What did you think? What do you think they could work on? Now their feedback is being applied, and they've essentially hired their next coach. That is the key phrase right there. We would always say, I don't hire you. Our members do. Yeah, you would always tell the coaches, you don't have to impress me. You have to impress the members because, mm-hmm. trust me, they will tell me. And then that bought in this sense of those are our new coaches. And it created this environment that I think is part of why we created such a raving fan base was that we knew the voice of the customer was king or queen. And if we could evolve to meet what they wanted when they wanted it, they would stay because it's enticing to stay with a company you feel you helped shape. Mm-hmm. That's a huge piece. And that's a big piece because it made us grow Yeah. super fast. Yeah. Um, like to the really point fast. where we started to knock down walls in this big box gym. Yeah. And there was no more walls to knock down before we would go into their kitchen. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah, Michael moved it from like a hunt, 300 square feet to 3,000 square feet. Yeah. And then it was like, what do we do? Like, there's outdoor space. Like right. we actually did. We actually laid sod. Yeah, I that's ripped right. out bushes, bought sod, laid it out. Yeah, all created a hot lap around the parking lot, dragging tires. Built an outside throwing wall. Yeah, this crazy thing is, and again, it was awesome because the gym was like, yeah, we'll pay for the equipment, but the labor is the most. Everyone knows that labor is the most expensive part. Why did the labor for free? Yeah, I remember. So I would I lost many weekends to you out there pulling out wires, and I'm sitting there going, what are you doing? Like, how do you know what to do? Right, sweat equity. Right. For sure. So, but the leaving was the hard part. Okay, but hold like, on, because you know, that is, what is this, hurdle four. four. 
how to open your own facility and could we afford it? Mm-hmm. Because at this point, we were what we call incubating within a big box gym. I use that same phrase. <laughs> I love that phrase. because But seriously, what's crazy about it is um, they were taking 25% off the top. You would whittle them down from what? Uh, Started at 40. six. It started at 40%? Mm-hmm. As a personal trainer, yeah. As a personal trainer. I would I would get 40%. But I thought that that's because they liked you and you were the top-selling personal trainer. It was, and then they kind of realized it went too far. Yeah, because no business, FYI, should ever give 60% to your trainers. If you have personal trainers under your brand, that is not a scenario you can win with. That's my little business tip. Okay, but so anyway, so you had whittled them down to get the best deal right. that was like this hush-hush deal, and then you had four, four other trainers underneath you, 92 clients that mm-hmm. were having to pay for your gym fees, right. which were like 150 bucks a month on average, on top of the club membership, which was 65 bucks a month. Exactly. So then we started to realize, not only do we have a ceiling on the square footage, so we can't really max out any more clients, but people are getting double charged right. just to join us. So we were, feeling like we were actually charging 210. Yeah. That was our fee, 210. Yeah, which in our small town, that's like astronomical. Like, why would I join this gym I don't want to join your gym that I do? This is also 10 years ago. Yeah, and so this is just becoming just, and they were trying to work with the clubs. They had multiple locations. We were like, maybe we can expand all their locations. And it just was like, that's just too crazy. And then I remember we had this come to Jesus conversation where you said, Peyton, what is the worst case scenario? Yeah, I remember like, we had this little side office in the, yeah. Were we married yet? No. Yes. I think we were married at this yes, time. Yes, yeah, we were married at that time. And we had this, this our, our second room, and we're looking back and forth after dinner, and I said, really, you know, again, listeners, like Peyton was the spreadsheet business, you know, consultant. I'm like, this is not my space. Go to that computer over there, get that spreadsheet, and write down the worst case scenario that it still works, right? You know? No, you said worst well, case scenario, and then I get I hit you back with this. Well, okay, yeah, yeah. the worst like, case if scenario. Last, if we go beyond this point, it's dead. Yeah, you know, I say right. the worst point, the worst thing that could happen is you lose all of your equipment that you've been side hustling to buy, and we have no money, and yeah, that's another point too. Yeah. Like that's it. Mm-hmm. We tried. And you look at me like horrified that I have literally just voiced into the universe your worst fear. And I'm like, well, that's obviously the worst case scenario. And you're like looking at me going, give me a worst case scenario where we can make it work. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. And then I go, oh, that's different. And then I put the spreadsheet together and I pencil it out. And I'm like, okay, we need 90 clients to follow us. Right. I think With, we had yeah. 92. Yeah. So like we could afford to lose two of them in a transition to a space that we had figured out how much the rent would be and it was double the space. So we we're sticking our necks out farther on this and I'm like, okay, we need 90 clients. No, no, no. No, no, we needed 86 clients. We put the email out and oh, yeah. 90 followed. We emailed our members to say, we're, you know, we're making a pretty risky move in our business. We want to know if we leave, right. would you follow us? It was very ethical. We did not say, we're, it was like, who wants to come? Like, it was an invitation. Yeah. You know, there's no, I really wanted to be very keen. It wasn't stealing clients. 
Well, we talked to the managers and said, like, if we, we leave, like, there's a chance that we're going to take members with us. Like, we don't want to, we're not trying to siphon your business at all, but, you know, we can't coexist with this business model. And they agreed, like, that, but this is the best agreement we right. can come up with for you guys. Like, we get it. We've lost other programs that have built up in our gym, and they've gone on to open other things. I think you were, like, the third or fourth gym at yeah. this point locally that had ever done that About through, yeah. yeah, through their gym. So they knew the gig. They're like, sorry, we love you. Like, we want to support you, but we just can't. Mm-hmm. So we're super transparent through the process that we had 90 follow us and yeah. we needed what did you say 86 it was, it was something it was something mid, like mid it, was 80s, yeah, it was close it was really close and so we were like oh my gosh we were we literally were never negative in the business like until covid hit which was really interesting because that was just the way it was and yeah. people look at me like you never were in the red yeah and i'm like no because most business but mo- most business plans for a, a personal trainer trying to create from scratch go you're going to be bleeding for nine months right. minimum and you've got to be ramping fast you've got to be you've got to have the whole marketing thing and it's super stressful for the trainer that's just trying to bring value being like what do i have to do with this online digital space and now it's even more chaotic um, but anyway, so that was the big one was how can we go and afford it? And so we, we and it was interesting because we, yeah. I, I always purchased my own equipment. The gym never owned it. Yeah. So leaving it was, I just had to buy more equipment for Yeah. And we had a moving parade, which is fun where people literally picked up the equipment and walked the 1.9 miles from the big box yeah. gym with the equipment right. and like the bragging rights of picking up the heaviest piece of equipment and walk, marching it 1.9 miles to the new location. Yeah, which was a lot harder than it seemed. <laughs> yeah. And, but it felt like this moment like where you've graduated into high school or I don't know yeah, what the equivalent well, is like but it leaving, felt like leave, leaving your house in a sense like yeah on your like own oh now. this is real it really it's about to get yeah, real you, know, you have to clean the bathrooms not the cleaning staff you yeah know? yeah seriously so that was a big one and then um the last two hurdles the, the the fifth one is how to retain clients and sustain lifetime value yeah and so so I want to mention this because hurdle three, four, and five happened at the same, roughly the same, probably year right. and a half window. Right. And I think that's interesting in an entrepreneur's journey. It's not consecutive necessarily. Sometimes it's just groupings of hurdles. So the ones that you had to deal with at first was like, how do you replicate yourself? How do you open your own business? And how are you retaining clients? Which comes with growing pains. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And clients have a level of loyalty that has an elastic limit to it. It's so really, and we knew that. We knew that every time we would change or grow, it got rough. You know, just every business goes through yeah. that. It's to fix it fast enough. Yeah. Not right away. Because there's always that window, enough. the grace period where they'll hang on and hope for the best, exactly. but you have to come through and deliver. Right, exactly. Exactly. And so the, the model, this is where the business model and the uh, the focus on you elevating your skill set faster. This is, I think, when massage therapy came in. I think this is where, like you said, I, I need to be able to put my hands on people. I need to be able to to do these different things and, and figure out um, one-on-one training, group training. Is there something in between? Yeah, because our space was built out to have different levels of group training, but we'd still have aches and pains. Like every gym has it. Every yeah. fitness facility has it. And we knew that we could help. We just didn't have the business structure or the organizational heart, like brick and mortar structure, yeah. to make it um, grow. Because always in between times, or when this room is empty, or room that room is empty, and just became this like, how do we do this thing? Yeah. And basically build this completely new arm of the business and still have everything else fit in. 
And that's, again, when another huge hurdle came up, but it was basically figuring out the logistics of how it all goes when you have trainers coaching a G level one program, they're kind of our base level, then our level two, then our level three, and then still getting these one-on-one clients in that you know you can help, you are helping, but then realizing, crap, I can only see one a day. Yeah. And that was, that was, that was, that was really hard. Yeah. So at this point, I think you start phasing out a group more and start doing one-on-one training and your skill um, and your ability to resolve movement dysfunction starts skyrocketing. And you start getting referrals from the medical community and you start getting word of mouth. Michael can make you feel young again. Michael can help yeah. you with the, your was, knee pain or low back pain. And you start getting this reputation around your skills. Great. As a business, people that weren't coming in for fitness anymore. Yeah. I mean, there still were, but it was like, oh, yeah. dream about oh, my buddy. You know, it's like... Or they start coming in for pain because they're like, I'm willing to pay cash at this point because my copay with the physical therapy just wasn't fun. The environment felt like everybody's old and decrepit. Like, I don't want to be there. And I never get to spend time with the therapist. It's always the aide who's a college student. I'm here to pay somebody to to care about me for the entire hour. And, oh, by the way, now that I like and trust you, what do you have going on over here? Because they would see the, the, the fitness going on. And, and the yeah, and they're like, this looks really, really cool. And so what started happening is we realized we could build this ecosystem or a flywheel where like people come in for one-on-one training, they get resolved, they build connection, relationship, and trust, and we just usher them into group training and at the same time we're like we're kind of missing this intermediary there step was a total intermediary so step. can we create something else and that's when we went and we're huge fans of if you are struggling somewhere in your business go find somebody that's figured it out and learn from them so we flew to austin texas mm-hmm. you've done this a few years and you're like peyton i want you to come with me and we go and there's this model the great gym that we love called train for the game austin texas we're big fans of theirs and they had structured it differently where they had four uh, clients to one coach and the coach had written four different custom programs one for each one and was facilitating four different workouts simultaneously in the same hour but for a fraction of the one-on-one cost and mm-hmm. we're like that's genius and so we connected with them learned from them picked their brains and brought back our own flair and flavor but the format really came from visualizing it from them right and that was really cool and the big piece that we did but I think it's a little bit different than the way that is we incorporated actually more restoration yeah. versus performance. Yeah, because they were more sports heavy. Definitely. And we looked at our clientele, and quite honestly, like the sweet spot that we dialed in were baby boomers. Because mm-hmm. who's going after baby boomers? I mean, they're literally going to walk in with problems. Even and most of the time, not even conscious of half the stuff that's going on in their movement, and so they're just waiting to get injured by a typical program. So when you build a model around this, and now you're getting the one-on-one pain issue clients, they're going into semi-private, and then they're going into group. Now you have this ecosystem where it's like if they're in group and they get a little tweak, they can go to semi-private. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's not the huge like, financial hit. It's, it's yeah, and it's and there, now you. And now you can retain clients. Right. And your lifetime value, which is one of the key metrics you need in your business, starts to go up when you realize, gosh, if I can just keep this client that's paying me you know, $2,500 a year, if I can keep that exact client paying me for three, four, or five, sometimes our clients are like here for 10 years with us, like, holy moly, that's not a $2,500 client, that's a $50,000 client. That's a big difference. And the low-hanging fruit in sales is always someone that's bought from you before. Mm -hmm. That is the easiest 
win back scenario because they know it. And so even if they're cycling through different programs and they come back to you because they got broken somewhere else, but it was that fad, whatever, you stay true, you stay good, you build that ecosystem, there's a place for them. And anyways, that was like the big epiphany of, of Hurdle 5. That was, was like, biggest, if we can figure that, that out. biggest growth. It wasn't, we got new clients. Yeah. We got with the same client for yeah. more services. We doubled our business. I want to, I want to, and I figured out the data and I should have brought it in the podcast. I'll have to bring it in a different time, a different story. But we, I remember we doubled the dollars in our business by only adding like 50 clients. Like we went to like 400 clients, from 200, like four. Well, we went from like 350 clients to 400 clients, but we had doubled the revenue because we figured this out. Mm -hmm. Just crazy. So anyways, a huge, huge breakthrough. And that brings us to the the final hurdle, which was how are we going to scale and grow this? And it was this fork in the road. We were on opposite ends of this. And honestly, we had kind of been avoiding talking about it for a good year because we just had our first kid and it was crazy. And I was trying to figure out how to run a business and if I want to be a stay-at-home mom. And that's a whole different topic. But we were like, we'd hired some consultant to come in for a strategic planning session. Mm -hmm. I remember that. And it was this, I'm on one side of the fence, you're on the other side of the fence. And we're like, we are digging in deep. And I I was hardcore for brick and mortar and you were hardcore to go online but you didn't want to just go online I was different yeah I wanted to, you know to train to train a client to change the industry is really hard but to train a operator of the industry to change the industry is much easier yeah. you can reach more impact right. you can reach more people through trainers right than so through people it's taking because i was that trainer who got seriously impacted and wanted and saw the light saw the difference saw what the industry was missing mm-hmm. not was doing wrong i want to be very clear about that not necessarily doing wrong but missing and that and it allowed me to take that information and input it into my own style yeah and that was the key piece you know, yeah. I, uh, and I mean, everybody wants that. Everybody wants to, to take knowledge and craft something they feel is theirs. I think that's what college education really should be. Yeah. It's like, like oh, I got this great knowledge. I'm going to go do something with it. Yeah, here's I got this all the knowledge. elements you need. Make your own recipe. Especially in kinesiology. Like, you walk out of it, and you're like, okay, cool. I know about the human body. What's a job that I can do? Yeah. And you're like, there's crickets. Oh, yeah. you could be a personal trainer. Or be a salesperson because you're really good with people. <laughs> and I feel like that's more of the career path. Yes, um, which actually is have more sad. friends out of Kinesiology that are salespeople in tech than yeah. they are an actual moving human body. But you see that reflected in the fitness industry. When you look at like who's trying to pitch personal trainers, it's how to be a good marketer, how to be a good salesperson, right. because you have to get people to buy to feed yourself. Right. So what trainers are starting for, in my opinion, isn't so much just clients as a skill set that they can go and win people with for the long haul. Because there's no point, and I like harp on this all the time, there's no point in getting 50 people through the door every month if 30 of them walk back out the next month. It's a lot of lost effort. That's it's a, a lot of effort. That just a ton of effort gone when you could just double down on the skills that's going to get 45 of them to stay. Right. It's true. Or yeah. even 25 of them to stay, and you're still five people better. Exactly. And they stay for three, five years, six years, and like it's a better model. So we're if we preach one thing on this podcast, so gear up. If we preach one thing, it's going to be your your career, your coaches. That is the asset on the table to protect and cultivate, and your skill set will take you there. It's investing in it. Like yeah. Truly, I'm going to say this real quick. It's investing in a thing and seeing it through. 
yeah. versus investing in all things and dabble. Yeah. This industry is filled with the dabblers, and that's a cool, fun industry. But there's not very many masters, not yeah, very many not the true practitioners in the fitness field. Okay, so we decided to, in that moment, we decided no brick and mortar. Yeah, gone. Off the table. But I think I had an ego about, I wanted the well, pride of having 10 gymnasio locations. Like, I just wanted that for some is, reason. It's not, it's off the table today, but yeah. it's off the table in five years or But it was years, off the table in that moment. the next step. Exactly. In that time, you said, Peyton, I want, when I envision my career, I want to be an educator. Like, it lights you up. Not just educating clients, because it also lights you up, but seeing a coach go from awkward, uncomfortable, trying to be someone else, trying to pattern their style off of their role model to actually owning their power in front of clients with intelligent tweaks, writing a workout that's killer and gaining the trust, like that actually makes you prouder than the win you get with that client. And so you said, if I'm gonna navigate my career moving forward, it's gonna have to be that way because I just want trainers to feel this. I'm gonna do a little side side picture you guys like the trainer of tomorrow is the healthcare provider of tomorrow the front line like that's where that's the opportunity that's where it happens and that's what i believe that we can do Mm -hmm. if we have the well-rounded tool belt yeah we gotta have tools on all sides of our hips that's good no that's i mean that's definitely the analogy that we've started to use and we like it because it's the constant like if you're going to build tools or put tools in your belt know which tools to use when and like create the system that allows you to pull from them fluidly and intelligently and not feel like it's seasonal tools exactly or strategic tools. like yeah. it's a good tool so use it when it when it should be mm-hmm. used but gain the insight to know when otherwise it's just something you got excited about and you pulled the trigger on and you abused and abused it and you retired it and moved on and yeah. that's what we see happening so much and instinctively i know trainers want that depth but it's who to trust and where to get it yeah because it's a uh... Well, there's a lot going on in the industry. That's for sure. A lot going on. For sure. So here we are. We are 10 years in. Yeah, that was it. Well, we're at 10 years in our business. And we have already just articulated the initial six hurdles that we've faced. We're not even talking about 2020 yet. And um, that's a wrap on episode one. I'm super excited about it. Hey, y'all. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. And if you did, please share it with your fitness-obsessed friends and peers who are also navigating this world of fitness and trying to succeed to the trends and misinformation. As you guys can see, this podcast is basically a masterclass for trainers wanting to level up in their coaching skills and their fitness business model. We launched this in 2020 because you and your fitness tribe deserve to see an unfiltered look at all the aspects of what it takes to stand out as a next generation coach and build a successful fitness business. So share it far and wide. And please, when you do, do me a favor, take a screenshot of this screen and share it to your social media accounts and use the hashtag Gymnazo Podcast. That's hashtag Gymnazo Podcast. That way we can see you and share your post with our audience. And finally, when you're ready to go to the next level as a coach or in your business and to reach more people, please go check out gymnazoedu.com. We have put together the best 90-day coaching program on the market for trainers wanting to become a masterful practitioner and build a business that gives them the freedom and impact. So let us help you do just that. 
We have online training and one-on-one coaching to guide you through a full 90-day certification. We even get you training our clients live because it's always better to work out your kinks on someone else's clients than yours. But we promise you this, your clients will be blown away by the transformation our program will help you make. You'll be masterful at a whole new level and part of an incredible community of coaches worldwide taking their skills to the next level. So if you thought today's episode had some fire to it and inspired you to take action, wait until you see what we deliver on this program. So just go to gymnasioedu.com and we'll see you on the other side. Remember that turning your passion for fitness into transformation and sustainable business is critical to reaching the people and lives you were put on earth to help. It matters and truly can make an impact in other people's lives. So I hope you do that. Keep sharing your passion. We're Michael and Peyton, and we'll talk to you soon.